Welcome to Founder Chats by Bear Metrics, where we chat with founders and hear about how they started and grew their business. This week, I talked with Andre Montero, co-founder and CTO of Verb Energy. In this episode, through immense technical difficulties on my side, we talk about Andre's story, prototyping a physical product, and much more. Enjoy. Hey, Andre, welcome to Founder Chats. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure, of course. I want to get right into it because I think we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about today. If you wouldn't mind, I would love to, and this is sort of the always the the starting question. You know, could you tell me when, when did you get started on your entrepreneurial journey? When did that first happen? So we started working on Verb when I was in college, and I didn't really have much of an entrepreneurial journey before then. I kind of fell into it a little bit. And it really has been just kind of a, a big snowball that has kept rolling and growing ever ever since we kind of got started. But I'm happy to kind of jump in at any point throughout that journey, depending on what you think is is the most interesting. Cool. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. In college, was there any sort of indication that you did you know that you were starting a company or was this something that like happened by accident? It was a little bit of both. So when we were first getting started, it was really Matt, my co-founder slash roommate at the time slash still roommate today. His idea was to kind of combine caffeine and food and it sounded interesting and it sounded cool. And there was definitely some element to it that was related to starting a business, but it wasn't anything super, super serious, at least not in my mind at the time. And we really kind of just got started making energy bars in the dorm room kitchen. For me, it was really just kind of this desire to do something outside of school. I was not really super, super into any of the extracurriculars that were kind of on campus, nothing that really appealed to me. And just the idea of getting into the kitchen and doing something with my hands was fun. I, I like working with my hands. And I like building things. And this was a very different form of doing that where we were kind of hand-making energy bars and then hand-packing them and kind of carrying them around campus and packing them in our dorm room. And that was just always really fun to me. And it just kind of kept growing from there. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me, if you wouldn't mind, like zoom in a little bit. Your your friend slash roommate slash co-founder, Matt, comes to you and says like, hey, I have this crazy idea. What are What are the next immediate steps that you walk through? Yeah. So Matt came to me and Bennett, our our other co-founder, with the idea. And the first step was really validating the idea. I think we kind of just chatted about it. And I had recently discovered caffeine for the first time. I (laughs) became addicted to mochas from a coffee shop on our campus, literally the, the prior semester. Really, really enjoyed them when I was having them and really, really hated the crash that was kind of hours in in the making after. And I think that the idea just kind of made sense to me at the beginning. And it kind of made sense to Bennett at the beginning too, who had a very, very different personal energy story. He was addicted to Diet Cokes and would drink. I'm not going to disclose the number of how many <laughs> he would drink per day, sure. but it was, it was quite high. And the idea just kind of made sense to both of us. And the real next step was just figuring out, okay, where do we go from here? And we weren't set on bars at the beginning. We just knew that in some capacity, we wanted to put caffeine in something that would kind of provide some nutritional benefit that would have calories to it and feel like kind of better bang for your buck than going to a coffee shop and getting a coffee and a granola bar. And what that kind of entailed at the beginning was really just getting into a kitchen, 
doing some very, very cursory Google searches and Googling how do you make an energy bar and how do you make granola and how, <laughs> right. do, you make, how do you make a cake and just really sourcing ingredients and figuring out what kind of caffeine did we want to use and doing all kinds of research on that. And from there, it was really just a matter of starting to put ingredients together, making recipes. A lot of them were pretty gross at the beginning. It took 127 recipes is what we like to say was until the first fur bar was actually made. And when we made that one, we tried it and we we're like, hey, wait, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> it definitely helped that at the time they were like loaded with chocolate chips and we're not super, super healthy, but we we definitely felt like we were onto something. And I think from there, the next step was really just giving it to our friends and seeing if they actually liked them. And they did. Those the, That recipe was kind of the first one that when we were actually giving to other people, they were like, wait, these are actually pretty good. Can Can I have a box of these? And from there, that's kind of where the snowball started, I would say, is giving it to friends and having them text us a day or two days or three days later and just saying, Hey, can I buy a box of those bars? And from there, it didn't really feel like we were like off to the races or anything, but it it was kind of cool actually getting sales for the first time. And I think the, the real moment where we thought, okay, this is actually something we should spend more time doing was when strangers started texting us, just acquaintances of our friends would try a bar that they had purchased and, and reach out to us and ask for our numbers and say, Hey, I heard you're the verb guys. Can I, can I get a box of bars? And when that happened, it was kind of, okay, now we have to figure out some intersection of supply and demand. We need to figure out how many bars we need to make to kind of sell to these people that are texting us. And to do that, we need to figure out, okay, how many hours do we need to spend in this dorm room kitchen? And it was basically this, this kitchen in the basement that we would rent. And you weren't supposed to be in there all day. You were supposed to like reserve it for basically like an hour at a time and quickly outgrew that. The facility, like they wasn't really like meant for making things at scale, but the kind of next step for us was finding a local bakery that would let us kind of use the the bakery after hours. We would go in there starting around nine o'clock at night and basically just make for bars in their bigger machines, bigger mixers, et cetera, until like, three in the morning, basically. And we would do that a couple of times a week and make them kind of in bulk, pack them, bring them back to our germ room. And from there, basically just try to sell through them over the next few days until we got back from the kitchen. And that was really kind of how we got started. And eventually demand kind of got to the point where we couldn't keep making them anymore. And thankfully we were able to get a little bit of funding to get our very first production run made. And for that production run, it was really just a lot of searching and figuring out what is the smallest production run that we can make that we would be able to afford. And we found a small co-manufacturer that would basically be able to allow us to make a pretty small run. And we got that done. And eventually the very first fur bar was made on a real production line. Nice. That is so fascinating. How long did it take you from the first incarnation that maybe it wasn't that tasty till you actually got to that that first version that you're like, wow, okay, this actually this actually tastes like pretty good. Yeah, that was probably I would say a few weeks, maybe not even. It, it really when when we finally got to the right recipe, we kind of knew it, and we definitely felt that we were getting in the right direction in terms of getting from that first recipe to actually generating meaningful sales, that was a bit longer. So we probably got into the kitchen for the first time in January or February of 2016. And 
I think we basically were at the very beginning, not really, or maybe not even in the kitchen at the beginning of, of that year, but really kind of ideating and figuring out what we actually wanted to make. And then once we got into the kitchen, I remember that the first verb bar that we actually decided to give out to people, which probably would have been that first real good recipe. I think that was, I remember being around finals period of that semester, which probably would have been, I don't know, around April or May. So it, it was a few months until we were like ready to start giving them to people that weren't just our friends. And once we did that, we, I remember <laughs> we're so excited about this, but we basically camped out outside of a library and just handed out free bars to people. And I, I remember we were so thrilled that we gave out like 200 free bars in an hour. And right. we, we wow. thought that that was some big like point of traction that we yeah. were able to give out a free product. But then we all kind of went our separate ways for the summer. We didn't really have enough to be working on for that summer. So we all worked at different inter- internships and kind of did different things. And just coincidentally, Matt, Ben, and I all actually went to different countries. I was in Brazil, living with my family and working there. Matt was doing some science-y research thing in like Norway or something. Bennett was working, I think, in China. And we kind of all didn't really forget about Verb, but definitely was not the, the big priority for us for that summer. But then once we got back on campus in the fall of 2016, that was kind of where we were like, is this, is this real? Are we going to actually put some time into this? And we kind of just hit the ground running and decided to really go a little bit all in. We were full-time students, obviously. And this was the thing we were deciding to commit to was going to take up quite a bit of time. And we just kind of remembered from that spring, really, really enjoying working together in the kitchen and decided why not just keep trying. And from there, that's that fall was kind of when we first started seeing meaningful sales of going into the bakery and selling them on campus. And it, it was definitely a, a multi-month process in terms of starting something and then not actually seeing any real results. And even when we were selling them on campus, the results were quite small. But I think any traction at that point is, is especially when you're so invested in it and so personal to you, it, it feels very meaningful. And you just kind of keep pushing through it, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting lesson. And being able to celebrate successes along the way, because like, yeah, certainly giving 200 things away for free is like, you know, maybe, maybe not like them, you know, not like cover of TechCrunch material, but like, you know, you, they at least like carried it with them long enough to get out of your vision before throwing it away. And, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like selling like one bar is like, I don't know. I, I think it's very easy to kind of do the comparison thing. But like at the same time, it's like you did all the hard work of figuring out the the recipes. I'm sure you went through a lot of recipes. Do you happen to remember what the worst recipe was? The the one that I will remember forever is we accidentally somehow made it like a green sponge cake. The the caffeine, I think from that one was I don't know if it was green tea at the time for that one or if it was yerba mate or something, but we accidentally made a green sponge cake. We put it in the oven and something in it just like rose like a cake. And we definitely did not mean for that to happen. And it tasted pretty gnarly, but definitely a lesson to be learned in there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. You made some, some, some new creature came into being on that particular recipe. Maybe we can like, like rewind a little bit. So when you're going through college, like what are you studying or like, what was the kind of trajectory that you were on prior to this kind of crazy idea coming into your life? Yeah, I think 
Uh, I'll talk a little bit about all three of us because I think Matt and Bennett's journeys are a little bit more interesting. For me, I never really knew what I wanted to do. I was never really the kind of person that planned things out. I very much kind of am the type of person that goes with the flow. I think a little bit more now I'm able to see further into the future and figure out how to chart a path towards something. But especially back then, I wasn't really feeling very passionate about kind of any specific path that kind of I'd seen other people take. And I didn't really know anyone or didn't really have any specific role models to to kind of look to as people that had like done entrepreneurship in any capacity. I think probably for me, the the biggest influence in my life, my dad is an engineer. And I think that has always been a little bit of an influence on me. And I think definitely have a lot of engineering related ways of thinking that I really appreciate and that I think are still with me today. I wasn't sure what I wanted to major in, got to school, kind of took classes all over the place, ended up settling into computer science as my major, but didn't really love just the idea of doing computer science by itself. And I think was always kind of taking classes in other disciplines, whether it was a Shakespeare class or a history class. And I think having kind of both sides of my brain working at all times is very important to me. And I think is very important to the way that I work at Verb. But yeah, that's a little bit about my background. Matt was going to be a doctor. He was pre-med. He fulfilled all of his pre-med requirements, but ended up doing this, which I'm very grateful that he did. And I think he's also very glad that he he switched to. Bennett was an ethics, politics, and economics major. So also nothing to do with anything related to Verb. Funnily enough, I think my major actually ended up being the most relevant to what we ended up doing because there is such a big tech angle to, to what we do at Verb. But I think just at the time that didn't really exist. And it was really just us hand-making energy bars and selling them. So it was kind of cool that the three of us were coming at the problem from such different backgrounds and such different disciplines and just very different ways that we thought. And I think that has always just held very true. It's just the way that we complement each other in terms of the way that we think is, I think, a great reason why we work together. But yeah, it's just kind of funny that none of us had any background related to, to this and we kind of decided to just jump into it. Yeah, that's cool. It's like the the doctor and the economist and the computer science major walk into a bar. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> An energy bar. Hey, yikes. Um, okay. So, wow, that's that's really cool. And, and do you feel like you're, it kind of sounds this way, but it, you, were your co-founders sort of a little bit more on a track to like, I mean, certainly if you are going to study to become a doctor, like that kind of seems like, like that Matt was like kind of like on that track to like, their, their life was heading in that direction. Yeah, but they were definitely both on tracks much more than I was. I think Matt was definitely on the med school track, Bennett was probably on the law school track in some capacity. But yeah, I think when an opportunity presents itself and, it, and you're enjoying working on a problem and you're seeing results, it's hard not to kind of imagine what this different path could take you to, you know? And I think very glad that the opportunity presented itself and that we kind of really just jumped in head first and just kind of went for it because I cannot imagine Matt in med school now, which is such a funny, funny thought. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. My next question was just around, you know, you, you kind of made it seem like 
there you had a lot of a lot of early success but you know in my listening to it's like well it sounds like you hit a lot of walls too so I was just sort of curious of like you know what was the what was the mentality like as you were as you were going through the process and you know making sometimes okay and sometimes really crazy recipes like what was that process like to kind of keep pushing forward and, and trying different things out yeah I think even more than that we we definitely have had ups and downs throughout the entire journey of her but that initial kind of testing phase didn't really feel like we were pushing through walls per se. It was more just trying different things and seeing what stuck. I would say that the first time we encountered kind of failure, just in, I guess, a more tangible sense of it, as I mentioned, we eventually got a little bit of funding to get our first production run done. And the first verb bars that we sold out of real packaging and a real production facility we received in April of 2017. So got that production run made earlier that year and received the bars, I think literally on April 1st or the last day of March, whatever it ended up being. And we kind of set this goal for ourselves to sell out of all 10,000 bars in that first month. And that was the first time we had really kind of decided to set some sort of target or set a goal and really, really shoot for it. And we basically worked backwards from the number 10,000 and had a big spreadsheet where we were logging all of our sales and logging all hypothetical sales where we were kind of basically saying, if we can get these two things to, to come through this week, here's where we'll be. And this was kind of the, the master spreadsheet for that month. And we actually ended up hitting our target. We, we sold through all 10,000 in that first month, actually came down to the last day of the month. And when the final order rolled through, there was quite a bit of celebration. We were super, super excited. And we used that momentum to apply to a few different programs for that summer. We had been accepted into an accelerator to stay in New Haven for the summer. And when we kind of hit that mark of selling through all 10,000 10, bars, we reached back out to another accelerator that we were still waiting to hear back from, but it kind of seemed like we maybe weren't going to get it. Maybe it wasn't the best fit. Maybe we didn't have enough traction. And when we kind of told them that we had had this crazy month, they asked us to go up and interview with them. They had an office in Boston. I ended up not going because of some school thing, but Bennett and Matt went and by all accounts crushed the interview. And we got accepted to go out to Palo Alto for the summer and work out of their office while we kind of figure out what the next steps were for Verb. And that summer was kind of the first time that we had really gone full, full time on it. We, over the course of that semester, had definitely been putting in a ton of hours, but we were still full time students. And that summer was the first time that really we were just fully devoted to Verb. And it was a ton of fun, but we were a little bit unsure of where kind of the next steps were because after that first month, we kind of launched online and we're going to try to figure out how to grow on the e-commerce side because we'd really been seeing, we'd seen a few online sales, but really the vast majority of our sales were in person, on campus, very, very organic. And for the first time, we were suddenly tasked with trying to figure something else out. And we tried a bunch of different things. We put up a website, kind of crafted the website and tried to tell a story on there. Bennett, I remember, went door to door to every single store, bike shop, bike race in Palo Alto and 
didn't see a ton of traction there. And that was super, super hard. And at the same time, Matt, our CEO, was basically trying to fundraise really for the first time because we'd raised a small amount of money, but it was definitely a bit of a chance encounter and a whole lot of luck and a good product at the right time that really carried that small amount of money. And this was the first time he was really reaching out to institutional investors, having real hard conversations about our business model, about our numbers. And I don't know how he dealt with it. It was a lot of rejection. It was a lot of no's. It was over a hundred people, I think, in the end that he reached out to. And on one hand, could you count the number of people that were interested? And that was a super, super hard thing to watch him go through and to feel on my side a little bit helpless because I wasn't really sure how I could help and how I could contribute. And he's come a long way since then. And it, it's been super cool seeing him grow as a leader and as a CEO and as someone who's really good at fundraising since then. And I think he he definitely learned a lot from those challenges. And I think we all learned from that summer. And I think the the real hard part was trying to figure out what the next steps were going to be for Verb. And as we kind of worked on it that summer, it wasn't blowing up immediately. And I think that was the biggest lesson was just even when things aren't going perfectly, just constantly, constantly iterating and trying something else and trying something else until something actually sticks is really kind of the best advice that I think I I could give to us back then. Like, I don't think we did anything wrong. I don't think there is anything different back then that would have worked better. I think it was really just a matter of us learning those lessons of learning what it means to fail and learning that that doesn't really matter and that you just kind of have to keep adapting and trying new things until something does stick. But yeah, we we basically wrapped up that summer and hadn't seen a ton of growth online and basically thought or decided that a campus launch strategy when we got back to school would be the way that we would grow because we'd seen so much traction with college students and that that was our market and that that was how we were going to grow and we would basically roll out the same model to a bunch of other campuses. Campus launch strategies are very, very hard. Very few companies do them well or at all. And that was also a pretty hard lesson was getting back to school and trying this and seeing it be a little bit of a hard process to manage. Managing salespeople at other campuses was was very challenging. And that didn't really feel like it was the right strategy either. And the thing that really kind of was the saving grace was that we did have a product that people did seem to love. And there kind of emerged this new customer segment that skewed slightly older. They were skewing more female than we initially thought they would. And they wanted a slightly different product from our conversations with them. And from there, we decided to take that feedback from our customers and reformulate the product and build a brand that spoke to them in a different way. And alongside that, also had this insight to kind of go back to our roots in how we were delivering a customer experience to people and wanting to have those one-on-one connections with customers that we'd had when we were first starting and we were just on campus texting people. And that was kind of when we decided, okay, how are we going to relaunch this product and this brand and build out this text commerce platform that we kind of had this idea for? And from there, it was really just putting in months of work and raising a little bit more money kind of on this vision of what we were kind of seeing as the future of Verb. And 
thankfully we, people were interested and they, they saw the energy that we had for it. And we got enough money to kind of rebrand the product. We came out with two new flavors and we reformulated it. And alongside that, I started working on this text commerce platform, the initial iteration of what would later become the entire Verb technology stack. And we worked on that for the next few months while we were getting some sales of the original product, but definitely not growing the way that we wanted to. And it was really just kind of powering through for those months and just hoping and banking on this thing that we were building, that it would work. And we launched the Verb kind of that you see today to the world in May of 2018, right as Matt and I were graduating. And thankfully, since then, it's been a ton of growth and a lot of hard work and a lot of late nights, but kind of being able to recognize that the customers that really loved our product wanted something different and being okay with that and being capable of, of listening to other people's feedback and, and changing, I think is really kind of what saved it at the end of the day. That's really cool. And what a what a like a tumultuous chapter you went through there, especially starting with hitting your goal of, of selling that first 10,000 bars. Like that's, that sounds like that sounds like a lot of bars. Like, did it? Did that feel like a monumental task at the time? Did that feel like a, a huge stretch goal, or were were you guys like pretty confident? No, it was definitely a huge stretch at the time. We kind of pulled the number out of nowhere and, and said, "Well, not out of nowhere. It was it was the size of the production run, and we were just like, we're gonna sell through all of it. Let's just try. Like, why not?" And at the beginning, the first few days, we got a bunch of sales and then it kind of faltered and we were like, okay, how are we going to keep this up? And every single day we were basically doing the math with, with the remaining numbers of bars that had yet to be sold. And the remaining number of days in the month is basically like how many bars per day do we need to sell to hit this target? And just the way that we were pacing, the number of bars per day kept going up and up. And right. that seems yeah, yeah. very, very daunting. And it seemed impossible to overcome. And we basically just started thinking bigger and started thinking about bigger and bigger sales and thinking about how you can move more product in kind of individual sales, whether it was like talking to sports teams or talking to clubs and pitching multiple people at once with an email blast, whatever it was. I think that really was kind of what prompted us to start thinking bigger. And I, I think we've always just kind of had that mentality since then. That's great. And and these were all like direct sales. Like you were saying, you didn't get on the idea of the e-commerce side until after your experience in Palo Alto. This was all just someone on your team going out and speaking with either an individual or a group, or maybe even sounds like you were just setting up a table somewhere. And you know, this was just selling directly to the people who wanted yep, to buy. We these. would set up tables very often. We would just camp out and we had a square reader and I don't know if we're supposed to say this, but we would take Venmo also before Venmo for business was a thing. <laughs> don't sue us. But yeah, it was really very, very scrappy. And I think we've always kind of had that mentality because we we have been there. We we were the people just camping out at a table and doing it. So I think no, there's no such thing as a task that is too scrappy for us, which I think is also a very good mentality to have. That's awesome. And then so you kind of went from that like you're saying, it's just a huge, a huge wave of momentum. And it sounds like, you know, maybe not for the first time, but if, in, in a major way, kind of hit that, hit that wall where you're like, okay, we're in this, 
we're in this foreign land and the foreign land of Palo Alto. And I imagine it was just like a completely different climate, completely different clientele, you know, and certainly not conducive in the same way of like, you know, being in the, in the collegiate world where people are kind of just like out and you can talk to them. You're sort of not necessarily a case just with Palo Alto, but kind of you're always in the spot of like, okay, well now everybody I talk to, I'm like interrupting from doing something. So yeah, like what was, what was that like? I mean, you've sort of already covered that <laughs> it, it sucked and it didn't, didn't feel good, but you know, like what was that sort of initial round of like, okay, did you try to, it, it seems like every time you guys have hit a wall, you've tried to like figure out, okay, well, what are the variables that we can change here to kind of get around it? Like, what did you kind of follow a similar process here of like, okay, like we're not getting the reception that we want. Like, let's try to just like do some different stuff and see what happens. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the the challenging thing from that summer was not kind of constant rejection. I think it was a weird tension where everyone that we talked to was was pretty nice and pretty friendly and thought it was a cool idea and thought we were young entrepreneurs trying to start something and were kind of like, yeah, go get them. And that was that was great. <laughs> yeah. That was helpful, but it wasn't really translating into sales in any way or not, not in any way, but it just wasn't translating into the sales that we needed it to. And I think that was the hard part to wrap our heads around where we weren't really getting specific feedback. And I think that is kind of the hardest part about the entire journey of starting something is that no one's going to tell you what the answers are and no one's going to tell you perfectly like depending on what you're doing, nobody's going to tell you, Hey, here's where this is wrong. Here's what you need to change. We were getting good responses to what we were giving to people. We were getting good responses to the product, but people just weren't either placing orders online or they weren't calling us back to place an order for their store. There just wasn't actually the follow through. And that was the hard part to wrestle with because it left us feeling a little bit directionless in terms of what we could do to make it better, if that makes sense. And I think that was our first big reckoning with that in kind of the journey of a startup is that no one's going to tell you what the answers are. And you kind of just have to keep trying until you figure it out. And that is kind of demoralizing, especially the first time that it happens. And I'm also sure it's very demoralizing if it keeps happening. But I think we kind of just accepted that as as part of what this journey would look like and just kept trying different things and not getting discouraged by it. And I think that mentality of just kind of constantly iterating and constantly just being willing to adapt is is why we're still here. Yeah, the, the interesting thing that you said there, Andre, is like, this feels like kind of like a like a non-observation. But, you know, I, I think that's like the tricky part about failing is that you don't, it's like, there's no feedback. Like you said, you were having these conversations, talking to stores, talking to individuals, but they just weren't placing that order. And that just gives you, it, it's really frustrating because it gives you nothing to go on versus when you're successful, you know, in kind of what you were saying, sort of in the phase after that, you have people that are, you know, they're, they're interested in the product and they're willing to engage with you, but, you know, they they just wanted a slightly different product. It's just, it's just interesting to consider, you know, <laughs> I know it's like a long way to saying like failing is bad and succeeding is good, but it's just kind of like a nuance of like, well, you know, you have to make kind of radical changes, it seems, in order to actually find that success eventually. 
when you came back and you sort of decided, okay, well, let's try to do, I guess I'm kind of curious of like, you went through this relatively rough patch and you said, okay, well, let's, let's come back and let's kind of maybe almost like get back to your roots. Was that, is that kind of how it felt? Like when you decided to do the, the college launch, you know, kind of college expansion strategy? Yeah, it definitely felt a little bit more familiar and comfortable and it felt kind of like we would be replicating the thing that had worked previously. And I think that was even harder to accept when it didn't go right, because it's very easy to try something new and maybe it doesn't stick and maybe it doesn't work. You kind of just shrug it off and you say, oh, that wasn't the right thing to do. But when something worked well in the past and isn't working well now, that kind of becomes a little bit more of a reflection on your execution, I think. And I think that was a little bit hard for us to to wrestle with. But I think we were very cognizant of the fact that it wouldn't be an easy task. And I think we were very capable of recognizing that there was this different path that Verb needed to be on. And that kind of entailed listening to our customers and just hearing what needed to be better about the product. And I think the insight that we had about the brand and how it needed to change to suit a modern consumer and the way that we wanted to communicate with customers was kind of just many, many different things kind of coming together to, to culminate in the new verb that I'm, I'm just very glad that they kind of were insights that happened at the same time. Yeah. Could you, could you give some examples around there of like, what sort of feedback were you getting and how did you process those into the actual changes that you made? Yeah. So the bar originally was was quite a bit bigger. The packaging was very, very different. It was very brown and earthy and kind of conveyed natural in a more classic way. And the product had twice as many calories, twice as much sugar, 100 milligrams of caffeine. And from what we were hearing from people, a lot of them actually liked having less than the whole bar. They would kind of break it into pieces and eat chunks at a time and they wanted something with less sugar and for us what that meant was we had the wrong product we we realized that we kind of made what was the standard energy bar and just filled it with caffeine rather than kind of seeing the issues that existed in energy bars as as they existed where people didn't want that many calories or they didn't want that much sugar and they didn't want something to fill them up that much they just wanted a light snack and a quick boost. And I think being able to recognize that and create kind of the new verb where fewer calories, fewer, less sugar, and 65 milligrams of caffeine as opposed to 100 just made more sense to our customers. And when we kind of pitched them on this new product, they all seemed to be really into the idea. And that basically just got us back into the kitchen, which felt really cool because that was where we'd started. And it felt like a, a cool way to solve the problem that we were having, which was let's kind of go back to the drawing board. Let's reset. Let's reformulate this product just like we'd done before and try to come out with something better. And I, I think we we definitely did that, which was really, really great to kind of see, see that work paying off like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Was there anything in particular you were doing to get that feedback or were people just like literally telling you like, hey, this has way too much sugar in it, or they like pretty vocal about those sorts of things. Yeah. So we definitely were asking customers for feedback and we were getting texts from the people that knew us. And I think 
that was also one of the big reasons why we wanted to, to kind of scale out that texting model was because when we were first on campus and even when we got back to campus and, and we're selling the new prop or selling the, that version of, of the verb bar, people would text us and tell us what they thought. And being able to have that customer insight coming through constantly, I think is something that is so, so invaluable and you can't really get through any other channel. So I think being able to have those one-on-one relationships with customers and give them an avenue into the company and make them feel like they're contributing to something by being able to communicate, but also kind of delivering on this better customer experience is something that I think is very, very unique about text and that I think we do better than I think any other company out there. That's awesome. What sort of questions were you asking to get that feedback? Yeah, we were really just trying to understand kind of how people use the product. And we were trying to understand, we were trying to understand use cases. We were trying to understand when in the day they like to have it. We tried to understand whether they were replacing coffee or replacing other energy bars or replacing other products entirely, if this was a completely new habit that they were forming and really just trying to see the holistic picture. I think that's also been something that we've always kind of prioritize is not really taking data points as one-off responses to questions, but really trying to understand the entirety of how someone engages with Ferb and engages with our product. And I think asking people to just walk through their journeys with us will get the insights that you need. And I think just being able to hear people's stories and pull out threads and turn those narratives into actual insights is super, super helpful. I think as we've scaled, we've definitely transitioned to more targeted questions and asking for very specific pieces of feedback. And I think that's also super, super helpful. But I think when you're first starting out, it's it's hard to kind of decide which questions are the most important to ask, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, when totally. you're such a young company, you really need, I think, to understand the entirety of, of how... Cons- consumers are engaging with you. And it's hard to do that without kind of backing people into a corner with questions. I think it's just much better to let people kind of ramble and give you all of their thoughts completely unfiltered. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So if you, if there's a a product out there and they don't have that wealth of knowledge, like what would your recommendation be as far as like, what is that, you know, or if we're going to put some constraints on it, like what would you recommend that that first question be that they ask their customers to then take them down the path of figuring out, you know, what are the more specific questions to ask? I would honestly just get on the phone with people. Like people love giving their input on everything. You see it all over the internet. People are not shy about sharing, right? And I think especially when it's your earliest customers, those people are going to be the ones that are most passionate about your product. And especially if you come to them kind of human to human and really just ask for feedback and ask how you can get better, most people are willing to engage with you. And if some people aren't, I I just say don't get discouraged by that because there are so many people out there throughout Verb's journey that have been willing to help us. And when we offer to hop on the phone with customers, it also makes them feel seen and feel heard. And I think that's also super important to just recognize that it's very much a two-way street where it's not just companies and customers as just faceless entities engaging with each other. Like we're all real people. And I think when you remember that, it becomes much easier to kind of 
solicit that feedback and really just say like, Hey, how can I get better? How can our company be better? And I think customers really appreciate feeling like they have a voice. And I think giving them that voice will just really open them up. And I think if you're really looking for a specific question to ask, I I think really just starting with what you like about the product will get people to open up. And also just asking what the biggest pain points are. Like when people are working with something and they get frustrated, they think about it. And I think just giving them the opportunity to, to voice those frustrations and give you that insight will will always result in in some actionable thing that you can work on. Yeah, that's a great point. And I yeah, I totally love the idea of just if you want to start, just say like, hey, what do you like about the product? Because I do think that we frequently we sort of turn to, you know, what what feedback do you have? What advice do you have? Like what needs to be fixed is kind of like basically the the thought process of that, you know, of those questions. But if you don't know anything about why people are even getting to your product, like it's actually probably more useful for you to know like, hey, well, what was it about this thing that you like so much? Why did you decide to spend your money on it? Or why did you come back for a box after you bought a bar? That seems like really like almost like focusing on the positive is, you know, maybe something we haven't really been taught. But that seems like a great place to start to understand like, you know, that's when I'm sure you hear those stories of like, well, you know, I was, I like to work out in the morning and I would drink a cup of coffee, but that would upset my stomach. So, you know, it's so much better for me to grab a bar instead or whatever, you know, hypothetically. And then you'd be like, okay, cool. Interesting. Well, maybe we should, maybe we should lean into that. If you've heard that story a couple of times in a row or, you know, whatever the, whatever the case might be, that's really interesting. So, you know, you kind of came back and you, 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 it sounds like the, you know, revisiting and through a couple of iterations, the, you know, the, the college, the college launch strategies has worked out for you. And, you know, kind of what are the, what are the next steps after that? You know, does that bring us up to current day or kind of, you know, what, what are the other steps that, that you've sort of followed through? So the college launch strategy actually did not work at all. Um, we tried it out for a few months and it just wasn't really generating the sales that we needed it to, but once we recognized that and accepted that and decided to start looking for alternatives, we, like I mentioned, rebranded, reformulated the product and started building out the, the text commerce component. And when we launched in May of 2018, from there, that's when we actually started working on Verb full, full-time. We'd been basically working full-time in addition to being full-time students for that last year that we were in school. But now we were kind of in the real world trying to, to keep growing this company. and that was when we really needed to figure out, okay, how do you actually start growing a business meaningfully? And since that month of May of 2018 that we launched, we thankfully have have kept going and kept growing quite considerably. And I think it's really just been kind of constant iteration, constant improvement and trying new things and something will work for a while. And then eventually you see diminishing returns and that's when you kind of have to reevaluate and readjust and break through that next ceiling of growth and and just keep going. And over the last few years, I think the, the biggest milestones have really just been nailing down kind of an acquisition model that that works across multiple channels with multiple different offerings. And I think building out the team has been one of the most rewarding and hardest parts. We basically got back to campus weren't really seeing a ton of traction. We're able to rebrand, reformulate the product and build out this text commerce platform and kind of relaunch the verb that you see today in May of 2018. 
I think the kind of biggest thing since then has really just been building out the team and working on product development. So building out the team is very, very hard. I think managing people is something that we had not done before. And I think we've definitely learned a ton and have kind of grown a ton as, as leaders and as managers. But that's definitely been kind of the next big frontier verb is trying to build an organization that can last and building an organization that has real values and that has ways that we operate and making sure that we're creating an experience for our employees that is a really, really great one and that they can kind of show up to work and, and feel excited both by the company and the brand, but also be in a place where they feel seen and heard as employees and always kind of having that be front and center when we're, when we're thinking about team building. And then on the product development front, I think really just wanting to fulfill this high level vision of kind of creating a better energy option for people and helping people feel energized day in and day out with with better products. I think we've we've really just been thinking about what does a portfolio of energy products look like that can really let people energize with Verb every step of the way. So a lot more to come on that over the next year or so. I think really we we just launched our first new product earlier this year, uh, the energizing drink mix. It's delicious, basically an energizing way to to get a refreshing beverage. It has five grams of collagen in it. And we're still trying to figure out the exact way that we want to position that product. But having that has definitely been a first big step into kind of a bigger energy platform. So excited to kind of see where that keeps going over the next year. Cool. Well, yeah, it sounds like based off your entire story, I don't I don't see you guys like resting on your laurels at any point or stopping <laughs> from innovating and kind of making sure that the products are exactly right. So it's super exciting to sort of watch and see the next thing you launch and what else is there, you know, out there for you. And I'm sure you'll come up with ideas that nobody else is thinking about. Well, you know, I, I feel like at this point, if anybody in the audience is is interested, or I'm sure there are a bunch of people that are interested in, in uh, you know, learning more about the company and the products, maybe either to join the team or maybe they're just thinking about their own, you know, energy problems. You know, tell us, you know, where where can we where can we find the products? Where can we buy it? Like, what's the what's your recommendation for people getting started if they've never heard of you before? Totally. Yeah, you can check us out at verbenergy.co. Just feel free to go to our website. There is plenty of information on how to order there. Also, if anyone has any questions or has feedback, feel free to shoot me an email. My, my email is andre at verbenergy.co. But yeah, happy to hear any thoughts about the product, about the brand. Also happy to give any advice to anyone else who's looking to start something and doesn't really know where to get started. Awesome. Andre, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for working with me through my endless technology issues. Super excited. I, I haven't I haven't had the product yet, but you know, I'm feeling a little bit low energy right now. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna place an order right after this. So I'm excited to, to give it a try. And then yeah, thanks again so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you being on the show. That was our conversation with Andre Montero, co-founder and CTO of Verb Energy. If you're looking for a delicious, healthy way to get an energy boost you know where to go, verbenergy.co. If it's business analytics and growth tools you're looking for, check us out at bearmetrics.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode and invite you to check out our other founder chats. If you're able to share with a friend and leave a review, it goes a long way. Thanks for listening.